Welcome to a brief chat for the week of December 2nd, 2019. I'm Owen Crane. I am Jason Crane. This is a show about living authentic lives on our own terms. Later, we'll talk about that and particularly about how place affects that idea with our friend DJ Lily. And we'll be back for a chat right after this. Hi, this is Jason's sister, Gretchen. Did you know that in addition to listening to a brief chat, you can also become a supporting member? It's true. There are three membership levels, and all of them come with cool bonus material, and some even come with the chance for you to be on the show. Visit abriefchat.com and click on the Support the Show link today. It'll just take a few minutes to join, and you'll be helping Jason and Owen make more episodes of the show. Plus, maybe my brother will finally be able to pay back the money he owes me. Now back to the show. Hey, Owen. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. I feel like every episode that involves me, at least, happens right after a meal or right before a meal. So I just want to update everybody. We had a Costco lasagna and it was wow, it was perfect. I loved it. I could eat three more pounds of it. Now let me say also that for people who think Costco lasagna, this I, Costco I don't care. lasagna is the bomb. dot com. It, it is. <laughs> It is amazing. Lasagna. What have I done to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, though. It is. It's amazing. We went, so we were in New Jersey for Thanksgiving. But there's no Costco where we live. But in New Jersey, near where your parents live, there is a Costco. And we went to this Costco expressly so that we could drive home with lasagna. Exactly. In our car. Yes. Yeah. It's that. It's that. And good. possibly batteries. But then we bailed on the batteries for more lasagna. <laughs> for more lasagna. <laughs> We've only got so much weight in this glider. How much lasagna can we fit in before we have to go home? I'm literally to a point where once the single AA battery dies in my mouse, my laptop is unusable, and I didn't get batteries just so I could get more lasagna. This is why our marriage is working out so well. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I have my priorities in line. And yeah, they line up perfectly with mine. So yeah, we did just have a lovely lasagna dinner with uh, our younger son, John, because I am fairly certain our older son still lives here in town, <laughs> but I can't prove it. Yeah, yeah. I, there's no evidence. He just he he's comes seventeen. Goes. He's seventeen. He's got his own car. He's got a job. He's I think got a girlfriend. Uh, it's hard to keep track. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we had a, a very lovely dinner of lasagna and garlic bread, and now <laughs> it is time to talk slash nap slash talk. So we were in, as I mentioned, in uh, New Jersey, in Livingston, New Jersey, where you're from and where your parents live, although not for very much longer. And while we were driving around, you said a thing that got me thinking, which was you said something about it's incredible how much things click back into place when I drive around here. Yeah. And you weren't expressing a desire to move home, but I think more a sense of how like, just the geography makes sense because you're so used to it. Is that? Yeah. And... It was almost, for some context, I, most of the time living in State College, do not like my hometown. And a lot of the reason is that is that a lot of bad stuff happened to me there. (laughs) And being around those places makes me think about the bad stuff, and I don't like it. But I've also lived in that town from birth until 17. (laughs) And that's a lot of time to spend in one place. So what I was really thinking about and for proportion, you're just 24 now. I mean, so that's, yes, it's <laughs> three quarters. It's of the most life. of my yeah. life. Yeah. So we were on Route 10 heading east and then we turned left onto South Livingston Avenue, 
which is a thing that essentially I would do daily as a child if I, I left my house. And I got this sudden, everything is right. Oh, everything just clicked back into place. Like, okay, I'm doing the thing that I know I'm supposed to be doing, which doesn't make any sense because I don't want to live in Livingston. Um, I don't particularly like the culture there lately. It's a lot more snobby, it seems. There's also tons of people I love in Livingston and are wonderful and are not that way. But the overwhelming culture is seeming to trend a little bit more towards snobby. It probably is just a testament to how, how malleable we are when we are very young and how it forms our, or how it can form our identity, our opinions, our patterns that carry us through life. I think it's probably more a, a testament to that. But it was just overwhelming how, like, driving by a Dunkin' Donuts in a Valley National Bank made me think, like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm good. Everything's good. I am where I'm supposed to be, and, and everything is right with the world right now. We're going to hear mo even more about this idea uh, later when DJ's on the show. But one of the things that comes up in, in that interview is about the difference between the place we are supposed to be and i don't mean supposed to be like in some faded way or anything like that but i mean just the place where we feel right versus our original geography and and those there can be a lot of nuance and conflict there i think like for example my original geography is berkshire county where we're about to relocate to and that was only my geography for the first like five years of my life and then occasionally going back for visits until I had no more family left there. And now you're old, so that's like nothing. Yeah. That, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, teasing you. but years ago that I lived there. And yet, because of the, you know, the, the rosy glow of childhood and the, the beautiful memories I have from that time, I always feel most at home when I'm there. And I feel very little attachment emotionally to upstate New York, where I lived for far longer, where I went to junior high and high school, uh, where both my kids were born, you know, where I, I owned my first home, all of that kind of stuff. I can really, I can take or leave. I mean, you're kind of feeding into my formational years theory here a little bit, too, because you were there for such a short time. But, I mean, if you think about it, we bring babies into a place where they're like, I know absolutely nothing. And just like, oh, okay, well, this is the world. And like, that is your first rudimentary idea of the world. And obviously, humans are smart creatures. And we say, oh, well, no, this is also the world. And this is also the world. And we revise what that is over time. But you're like the center of your map started there. And I think for me, in some part of my brain, that's what Livingston is like for me, is the center of my map starts there. Like, I always think I live some, even I've lived in State College since 2013. I still think of, oh, I live in like a weird Western part. <laughs> we live in central Pennsylvania, which is like the east of, of most of our country. Um, but I still think like, oh, we're like in the West. That's weird. So, yeah. And I think... In some ways, I bet if I had gone, if I'd stayed in Berkshire County and I'd gone to high school there and done all of the things that you do for all of those years and been the depressed teenager that I was and all of that stuff, and it had all happened in Berkshire County, and then I'd moved to upstate New York, for example, 
then perhaps upstate New York would be where I felt like things made sense. I, in some ways, I'm lucky where Berkshire County is concerned because the – I mean, my parents got divorced when I lived there, but I was very young. I don't remember that. The only things that happened to me there that I remember for the most part are really good things. And it was a time that I look back to with a lot of fondness when my family all lived near each other and all that kind of stuff. So there was nothing ever really spoiled about Berkshire County for me because I didn't live there long enough to spoil it. When I was just about old enough to start thinking about how the world might actually work at like six years old at a very rudimentary level, we split. And then I moved, you know, 30 something more times. And so now when I think about it, it is, it is just this kind of beautiful place. And whenever I've gone back to it for all of these years, as soon as I like step out of the car and put my feet on the ground there, I just always feel like, oh, I'm home. And that's five-year-old Jason. Yeah. But, well, yes, it is five-year-old Jason, but it is also... But five-year-old I, Jason is also you. Yeah, and I've been, I've been doing that for a very long time now. I mean, I've, I've been going back there for four decades, and it always feels the same. Uh, for me, all of this is made so much better by home essentially being wherever you are. Um, oh, well, yeah, of you course. Know, that, makes, that makes such a difference in all this for me because I have such a great home life that we're just transporting what to me is the essential part of my life to a different geography, but that that core remains. I finally understand that, too, because that was such a difficult concept for me before our family because home was home was that you know metaphysical sense of home is where your family is. But it was in a very real sense, a very physical place, <laughs> and that's the house in New Jersey. And I, obviously, I could cognitively separate those two, but I never needed to. And so I didn't fully appreciate, you know, the home that I have with you, where everybody in the house has healthy relationships <laughs> with each other. And uh, we just, we just love each other. And that is... Like when we're traveling, I'm still at home yeah. when I'm traveling with you. And, and I get that now. And it's great. It was lovely to chat with you. And you. And in a second, you are going to hear from one of us about one of our favorite podcasts we think that you find people might enjoy. And then we'll get right into our interview with DJ Lily. Hey, it's Jason here with this week's podcast recommendation. There's no question about what the first podcast is that I'm going to recommend to you. It's Star Wars Minute. It's my favorite podcast. It's the only podcast, I think, from which I've never even once unsubscribed. Ah, uh, that might not be true. I don't think I've ever unsubscribed from The Bugle either. I'll tell you about The Bugle later. But Star Wars Minute is fabulous. It's hosted by two guys, Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson, who love Star Wars, but I would say at a level uh, between casual fan and wikipedia editor so you're kind of in that sweet spot where they know a lot but they don't overwhelm you with knowledge they're funny they're personable they're not exclusionary in any way and what the podcast is kind of like the name suggests star wars minute is they go through each star wars film one minute at a time they bring guests on and over the course of about 20 minutes they discuss one minute of a star wars movie you can of course go all the way back to the beginning if you want which I highly recommend, and listen to the movies they've done so far, which are all the prequels plus the first, or the the originals, the prequels, and the first of the Disney trilogy. But right now, they're, they just started Rogue One, which is a great place to jump on if you want to. They uh, are Patreon-supported, just like this show. 
And so you can become a member and get bonus content and all that kind of cool stuff. They also have a Facebook page called the Star Wars Minute Listener Society where people go and chat about Star Wars, and it's pretty great. You can find them on Twitter at Star Wars Minute, on Instagram at The Star Wars Minute. You can find the show at StarWarsMinute.com. And they spawned an entire cottage industry of minute-by-minute movies podcasts. I will tell you that uh, I have been both a guest and a co-host of Star Wars Minute uh, one time each, but that is not why I am endorsing the show to you. I'm endorsing it to you because I love it. If you're a Star Wars fan at any level, uh, but particularly if you enjoy kind of digging a little bit into the weeds, then I highly, highly recommend Star Wars Minute. And now, back to a brief chat. I am here uh, with DJ Lily, and I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for being here. I am excited to be here as well, I gotta say. You are, I think, the first guest I can confirm also has listened to the show before. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like I don't have to bring you up to speed on... on oh, no, already, no. Know the drill. No, I don't know if I ever told you, but once I discovered you were doing the daily uh, a brief chat, I listened to probably three dozen in a row. <laughs> Wow. Because I wanted to catch up. I didn't. Yeah. I, well, I apologize again for not knowing that you were doing it while you when you started. But well, you've joined almost the entire population of the planet Earth and not knowing that I'm, <laughs> that I'm doing it. So really, you're firmly in the majority and you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't feel guilty about that at all. I don't know what the current population is, but. Uh, some seven billion ish minus about thirty people. No, I see. No, What's the percentage the... there? <laughs> yes, Is it point exactly. zero 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 one? There, there are so many zeros before you get to the one. It's a little embarrassing. Well, it's well, I'm proud to be in the percentage, uh, however small and elite it might be. It's, it's the elitist of uh, of elite percentages. <laughs> So I know you because of the library in the town where we both are in State College, PA. There's a, a great public library called Correct. School Library. And in the course of doing various things with and about and to the library, I encountered you <laughs> at, at various points. I haven't told you about this. We might want to hear but, about yeah. that a little more, yeah. perhaps after we're done <laughs> recording. Right. Don't dig through the Z's in fiction anytime soon is all <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Got to, good to um, know. <laughs> You're interesting to me because uh, a lot of the conversation on this show is kind of about people figuring out where they are in the world and kind of how they're doing with where they are in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, do I feel like I'm kind of in my place, like I've got some things figured out or my feet kind of solid under me? And, you know, as you, as you know about me, that's still something I'm very much figuring out. And so I'm kind of looking to other people who seem to have a, a little better handle on it at the moment than I do to figure out, especially people who, like you, I think, took a somewhat circuitous route to get oh, interesting. where they are. Well, thank you for thinking that I have a handle on my life. I appreciate that. <laughs> I get that nobody does. And the really. delusion apparently is working. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's, it's extremely convincing. Um, so let's start off by i guess maybe describing to people what it is that you do but then the you know the kind of route that that okay. got you there sure well currently i am the office manager at sclo library and state college as jason mentioned uh, i've been doing that for close to nine years now which i can't get over that it's been that long but prior to that for about 20 years i was um the youth services librarian at two different libraries, one in Texas, uh, which is a long story, and one uh, here locally in Belfont, which is the reason that I moved to Pennsylvania from Texas. 
So, um, to go really far back, uh, I decided when I was in kindergarten that I wanted to be a librarian. And why? Uh, because, well, <laughs> to go even further back. Uh, too much further back than kindergarten. No, that's because true. Because in utero, that's I was true. reading a book about library science. Wouldn't surprise yeah. me. <laughs> I will spare you the gory details, but apparently I learned to read by magic when I was about three and a half, which I'm sure had nothing to do with the fact that my parents read to me constantly, but you know, it just happened. And so then by the time I got to school, reading was sort of old hat for me, shall I say? That sounds very immodest. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so when we would go to library like kids do, I was kind of bored. And my mom had some ins with uh, folks at the schools because she was involved with the PTA and asked the librarian if there was anything I could do to help because I was complaining about how bored I was. I complained a lot when I was a kid. (laughs) So the librarian started to let me help her do, you know, things like little kid things that you could do, putting uh, cards in order and all that kind of stuff. And somewhere along that path, she was a very nice person in addition to being the librarian. I guess I just assumed all librarians were very nice people. (laughs) That's actually not true. (laughs) That's another show. Uh, So I decided then that's what I wanted to be. Now, of course, I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Sure. I, I knew it had something to do with being nice. I knew it had something to do with books. And I knew it had something to do with helping people. And through my life, none of that ever really changed. Of course, as time went on, I sort of figured out what that actually meant and required. So then when I was in library school, which is a master's degree program after you get your undergrad, I decided I wanted to be a youth services librarian, sort of hearkening back to those fond memories. And I thought that's what I was going to do for my whole career. You know, I was going to die at my desk surrounded by picture books somewhere. I didn't know where. And terrifying so, a bunch of small children. In sure. The <laughs> well, I would have been in an office. I, think the I librarian hope. Lady's dead. <laughs> <laughs> the story time theme has just changed. Exactly right. We're not doing snow anymore. Now, now we're reading the Telltale Heart. We're going to roll, put her under a desk, and see what happens. <laughs> so you know, when you first graduate from anything, and all you have is a degree in your pocket, you sort of take what you can get. Sure. And so that's how I ended up in Texas. Okay. Which was a fabulous job. It really was. Um, I'm still really good friends with the person that was my boss there, but it was Texas. Have you ever been to Texas? Have, have. you ever lived in Texas? I've never lived in Texas, but I have been to Texas. It's really hot all the time and i just couldn't stand it anymore i lived uh in galveston uh which is an island off the coast near houston and people would be like is it humid there (laughs) (laughs) i just rolled my eyes for people who can't see me right (laughs) i think they could hear it (laughs) i'd be like i live where the humidity goes by to your state wherever that is (laughs) Um, so after about six years, I decided it was never going to cool off. I I don't know if I had hoped that it would, but it wasn't going to. Plus most of my family lived in the Midwest and the Northeast and I kind of getting tired of, you know, flying so far to get to them. So anyway, my parents are actually from Altoona and I always wanted to live in Pennsylvania but I couldn't manage it. I you know, wanted to go to undergrad there, too expensive. I wanted to go to graduate school, too expensive. I wanted to get a job there, couldn't find one. Well, my aunt who lived in State College at the time, I saw I was starting to, you know how when you're 
looking for a job but you're not really looking for a job so you're just sort of poking right. at the job yeah. ads to be like oh that looks interesting uh, you know but you're not really doing anything about it so came across this job ad that um for bella fonte <laughs> what did i know so i called my aunt and i said have you ever heard of a place called Bella Fonte? Do you know where that is in Pennsylvania? She burst out laughing. She said, well, first of all, it's Belfont. <laughs> right. It's not nearly as fancy as you're hoping. No, exactly. And second of all, it's in this county. Why are you asking? <laughs> and within uh, eight weeks, I lived there. Wow. Again, fabulous job. I was the youth services librarian for the whole time I was there. And then... It's a very small operation, and so as people would come and go, I got other jobs <laughs> sort of on top of that job. Other duties as a sign. Exactly. Yeah. Except they weren't just duties. They were actual titles. Um, you know, I was in charge of the bookmobile for a while, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, whatever. And then I was there for 13-ish oh, years, and I will really spare you the gory details on this one. But things kind of changed, and it was obvious it was time to make a change. Sure. Well, I love where I live. I love, you know, my life, except I need a different job. And this was sort of a, a desperation might be too strong of a word, but, you know, you got to eat. So You also work in a fairly specialized field. Exactly. Where, where there's like, there's X number of libraries exact, in the area. That's exactly that's, right. That's what that's you have exactly to That's exactly right. Yeah. So... My best friend, uh, bless her, gave me one of my life's mantras. There's always time to panic. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quote on a regular oh, basis. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, I've just adopted that. Right you this, totally that should because it really comes in handy <laughs> in all sorts of contexts. And also actually helped me think about what other skills I have. Yeah, okay, you're a youth services librarian, but what else can you do? Sure. Um, you know, libraries have to function outside that sort of very specific library-ish skills. So are there other jobs in libraries? You know, you know that world, you know that context, but is there something else to do? And then also just sort of what other skills I have. I'm organization is like one of my obsessions, that kind of stuff. So she really helped me try to figure out other things that I could apply for. I actually applied for and got offered almost the exact same job I had uh, in another um, very nice library and didn't know until that happened that I didn't want to move. I oh, was gotcha. that, okay. that idea was that buried in my head that until I had to decide, am I moving or am I not moving? I'm not moving. And I felt really badly because those people had gone through all that process and they thought yeah. they had someone. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but thank you. But, but that's no a great thanks. thing to realize that you feel like you're in the place <laughs> yes, where you want exactly, to be. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I had applied for a variety of jobs around Center County and also sort of, um, tangentially you know driving distance that was reasonable to me and my predecessor at Sklo library was in the process of retiring okay and 
Which was someone you knew or you... Uh, I knew of her. The Center County Library and Sklo Library are both um, sort of connected in a variety of ways. So I knew her vaguely. I didn't really know what she did. Sure. A friend of mine, really good friend of mine, already worked at Sklo as well and told me about this. And I thought, hmm... It seems like being a, an office manager, obviously you're in a library, so you need to know about that. And it also requires being organized. I think I could do that. <laughs> so I applied. They were looking for someone who had a lot more uh, financial bookkeeping experience than I did, which was actually zero. And <laughs> one of the uh, requirements for the um, interview was to put together a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, which I had never done in my life. Wow. My best friend, again, I checked out a book from the library. She let me borrow her computer for the weekend. I learned how to do it the weekend before. <laughs> <laughs> I went for the interview my, the last day of my uh, previous job. Uh, so then I went back to work, worked till five. Uh, my current boss called me at some point and asked me to meet her at a restaurant that was in between the two. At 6.30, uh, we chatted for a little bit. She actually brought me flowers on behalf of the children of Belfont for all the things that I had done. Wow. Which made me cry. You know, she didn't even offer me a job. And I was like, I'm yours. Yeah. I'm yours. <laughs> and then she offered me the job. So I was unemployed for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there are a certain number of people, possibly including the other person in this interview, who will find that mildly obnoxious. <laughs> a friend of mine pointed that out and I was like technically was I unemployed at all because I wouldn't have gone back to work until the following Monday <laughs> but I like saying I was unemployed for 90, for 90 minutes because yeah. it sounds good when you discovered that you didn't want to move yes. why do you think that was <sighs> that's a really good question um, so I lived in Texas for six years and that was the first place I had lived on my own Okay. Uh, outside of college, which, you know, is kind of a different mindset altogether. Sure. This is my first apartment was what it was, you know, that I paid for that, you know, I found that was it. I think just the fact that it was in Texas, I was like, I, I don't, I don't think it was ever permanent in my head. Yeah. It was the first job I could get. And, you know, I knew that so at some point I was going to leave. Sure. When I moved to Pennsylvania, there was that whole history of, you know, my family is from here. This is where we went on vacations to visit my grandparents when I was a kid. And that was always my goal was Pennsylvania was the like the Nirvana state for me. Then when I got to Belfont, that was multiplied times 100. I thought it was the perfect little town. You know, it's within proximity of some decent social activity, cultural activity. And the house that I live in is also, in my opinion, it, that was multiplied by 100. Again, so I, what does that make? 10,000? 1,000? I'm, I'm not a mathematician. It was my understanding there'd be no math on this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We've talked about math several times now. I don't know how that keeps happening. So... Again, I knew that I was, I loved where I lived right down to the house, but I didn't know I was that committed to it until the option came to leave. Yeah. I'm really glad that I looked at it as an option and not a necessity. I had enough money to live. I had planned what I did. I, I, I quit my last job with nowhere to go. 
And I had planned for the fact that I could live for three months and look for a job if I needed to. Okay. And so thank goodness there's always time to panic. And I didn't. I mean, I probably did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you couldn't tell it on the outside. And so, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I didn't know how committed I was to, you know, where I live and my little house and I didn't know. Yeah. I think in the part of the show that people will have heard right before this, but which has not been recorded as you and I are speaking, Owen and I had talked about uh, that the topic would be place and mm. and the way that we can feel connected to a place, which comes out of two uh, two things. One is, of course, we're getting ready to move to right. my Nirvana place, right. which is Berkshire County in Western Massachusetts. And then we were in Livingston, New Jersey, where Owen is from for Thanksgiving, uh, which is we're recording this was a couple of days ago. And Owen does not have any desire to live in Livingston, but said while we were driving around, it, it's amazing to me how quickly, is Owen speaking, it's amazing to me how quickly things kind of click back into place when I'm here. And like, I, you know, I just know all these streets really mm-hmm. well, and there's memories associated with everything. And so I do feel like... You know, I've moved forty times, and I've always—he's not exaggerating. No, that's a, yeah, that's a, an actual that's number. A legit number. It'll be forty-one in February, I guess. And I've always felt most at home, maybe only at home, when I'm in Lenox, where I lived when I was a very little kid, and where all, very little of my family lives now. But there's just something about being back in Berkshire County that I feel like, okay, I like my feet are connected to this ground mm-hmm. in a real way. It sounds like we have somewhat similar stories because this isn't where you grew up, but it is where formative things in your life, ha- you know, happened. And because it has that like rosy glow of childhood around it, which is the same thing as Berkshire County for me, I I know there are real things and real lives, and I'm going to have to pay bills and all that same stuff. But it just feels like doing it on that ground Absolutely. makes a difference, and it that does. sounds kind of like what you're saying. The, here the place too. where I grew up, uh, the house where I grew up, uh, is still there um my brother lives there now and i lived there till i was 17 and then on and off when i was in college and i have no attachment zero attachment to that house to that place i mean yeah similar to owen i know the streets sure it's it's amazing to me that i know how to get places because i am spatially disadvantaged shall we say (laughs) and and yet it's like I was just there yesterday. So that's obviously all hardwired in my brain somewhere deep inside that when I get there, it all just pops out. Yeah. But um, I have no connection whatsoever to that house. I'm going to tell you a side story. So my father passed away in June of 2017. When we found out he had cancer, I went to live with him for 12 weeks until he died. And one of the many things that horrified me that I found out was that he was still operating on a will that he had written in 1974. Wow. When I was six and my brother was nine. We were both supposed to go with live with uncles if my parents passed away, who were also dead at that time. Anyway, uh, he one of the reasons why he never uh, pursued writing a new will was he could not, he, he said this out loud, he could not figure out a quote-unquote fair way to divide his assets, my mother was already passed away as well, uh, between my brother and me when all he owned was this house. And I said, Dad, I don't want your house. 
I hope I never see this house again when I leave, which upset him. But then he calmed down and he got it. And I wish to God he had asked me that like decades before because it would have solved a lot of other problems. 1975. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But but I, I, I have no connection to that that place um a lot of unfortunate things happened there and you know there's nothing interesting about the chicago suburbs southwest suburbs where i grew up it's all one big you know strip mall and car dealership essentially so i i don't care about it however when i came to belfont when i moved to belfont it was like i felt like i had come home what's the john denver song came home to a place you'd never been before yeah exactly uh, and then the house where I live on top of it, which I've lived in now for 13-ish years. And so it's mine. You know, it's, it's, it's very obviously mine yeah. when you walk in. It's mine. Um, and so, yeah, when that, and until that choice was foisted upon me, I didn't know how committed I was to the place. When I was going to therapy, I said something to my therapist about uh, how disappointed I was in the fact that I just at the end of the day all I really wanted to do was go home yeah and she said why are you disappointed and I said well isn't it kind of like hiding and she said isn't it contentment and I said oh (laughs) (laughs) so that you know put a whole different spin on it it's it's my safe place it's and and yeah my house is my safe place within those four walls but belfont you know the fact that i know so many people there the fact that you can walk down the street and people say hi and just everything about it it feels like it's mine even though i thought it was you know pronounced belafonte 21 years ago (laughs) and didn't know where it was well, I think that is a beautiful place to bring it to a close. DJ Lily, it's been such a blast to uh, have a chance to chat with you. Jason, this is grand. I'm glad that you're doing this. I told you this before. I missed you on the radio for Thank this you. very reason. Because <laughs> I missed this. So don't ever stop. I know I'm one of the point zero 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 one percent or whatever it is, but don't ever stop. Thank you. I'll try. Get it out there somewhere. I'll try not to. <laughs> uh, and before we go, uh, it, you are enjoyable to follow on social media for a variety of reasons. So oh, ooh, uh, tell well, people uh, how they can uh, tweet along with DJ. Well, which is, well, like and by social thing. media, Jason only means Twitter. because yes. that's the only social media <laughs> that I'm on. So uh, my Twitter handle is at we meow two W E M E O W the number two, which is also my license plate. If you forget, <laughs> fabulous. And I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes so you can uh, follow DJ. And if you uh, do, let her know that you heard about her here. Well, again, it's been lovely to chat with you, and thanks so much for being a guest. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks again to DJ Lily for being our guest, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you want to become a supporting member of the show, as you heard my sister tell you earlier in the podcast, you can go to briefchat.com, click on support the show, and it will sign you up in a couple easy steps, and we would be very grateful. We'd also love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. You can find me at Shimmy Lizard. You can also find the show on Instagram at A Brief Chat. 
and we are going to start posting things there. I was a little overwhelmed by having yet another Instagram slash Twitter to have to keep up. I'm not going to start a Twitter for the show yet, but there is an Instagram for it. So you can go to Instagram.com slash a brief chat if you want to join the conversation there. That's it. I love you. I love you. We We love love you. you. A A better better world world is is possible. possible.